0: Hello, internet, and welcome to the Angry Millennial Podcast. I'm Kenna Klosterman, your host. Oh, no, wait, I'm not your host for this one. I'm your guest. <laughs> Handing it over to Jose and Stevie.
1: Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the Angry Millennial Podcast with your host, Jose Rosado, and co host, Stevie Chris, where we talk to creatives and entrepreneurs from all walks of life and passions about the creative lifestyle, the good, The bad and the ugly. Be sure to check out our site, theangrymillennialshow.com, and sign up for our newsletter to be eligible for prizes and giveaways, as well as stay up to date with new shows and upcoming guests. Hope you enjoy the show.
2: Bocafire.com. Bocafire is a better way to rent professional DSLR lenses. With 30-day rentals, unlimited swapping, free shipping and free insurance coverage, BocaFire is the best deal around. Use any Pro Canon or Nikon lens for your DSLR camera with no return dates and no stress. Keep it as long as you want. When you're done, send the lens back using the prepaid shipping label and swap it for your next one. Offering all the most popular Canon and Nikon lenses, including primes, zooms, telephotos, and a lot more. Use the coupon code ANGRY15 to get 15% off any BocaFire membership. Valid now through July 2016, only at bocafire.com.
1: All right. So today we have on Drew Nugent. Massive musician. Man who wears very, very nice
2: suits. I dressed and, up for the radio. <laughs> he, dresses,
0: he dresses a little nicer than Ted. He
2: has impeccable taste. <laughs> and I'm a better have better marksmanship.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh so Drew, um what you do is very just say interesting. I mean, like, how many people do you know that dress like this guy? It's such a nice? general word, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, when did you really start to get into like this type of music that you play? And and was it always kind of a, a direction you wanted
2: to go? Or, well, I, I guess it was something I didn't really foresee, being that, you know, I was a kid that grew up with everything. From, I mean, Christ, at three years old, I've told this to so many people because it's just, it still just stuns me to this day that my two favorite songs were. The Four Tops doing Sugar Pie, Honey Bunch, and Ground Control to Major Tom (laughs) being the other wide end of the spectrum. And I just knew the words to both of them by three years old and was just, like, you know, running around the house, Mm. butt naked, you know, with a toy guitar, (laughs) screaming the words. And then from then on, I went through, like, pretty much everything from Rod Stewart to the Beatles to Luther Vandross and beyond, like, anything, everything that appealed to me, classical music. I think the some things I just really never got into was like was the, was a, a, the modern brand of show tunes that right. right, has come to be in, since beyond the 60s or whatever Right. And no no maiden? I I don't know. I never got into like the the metal or the punk rock or the rap really just to, to say I just was like, Wow, you are you're talking too fast or playing too loud for me to get what you're <laughs> doing right now. Drew
0: saying something is too loud, that's Yeah. I know.
2: Well that's the thing is it's like I'm sultrifully loud. That's my my word for it is sultrifully because it's sultry, but it's fully loud. It's right, like <laughs> you know
1: <laughs> like a hundred miles an hour. It's like a hot dog. <laughs> It's going to be a great day. So, Drew, we uh, to give people some context, we're actually at your uh, home studio. No selfies! <laughs> we're oh. actually at your home <laughs> studio, uh, and it's pretty awesome down here. So in a little bit, you're going to play some some music, and I know you have a, a really cool instrument that most people do not know how to play, so we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but I know you are based here out of Philadelphia. Uh, so... I mean, obviously an obvious question for me was when Stevie told me about the kind of music you played and please don't hate me for this. It's but, pretty good. But the first thing I said was, Oh wow. Boardwalk Empire. <laughs> and he just goes, don't say that to him. Whatever you do, do not mention that
2: show. And, uh, well, that's, that's where he got his whole you. style from. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I just like, you know, it was funny. Like I, I, Got into the show in the first season, and I was like, "Wow, this is pretty damn cool." Yeah, because you know it, it starts out like every other period piece, and right. you know it's like got this allure and spice to it, and they're trying to get the, the the coloring and the setting and the and everything and the clothing just right. And but then I'm starting to see what they're doing with like you know uh, with some of the guys they had portraying the, the the old the old personalities in the day, like Eddie Cantor right. and Sophie Tucker, and I'm like. You Couldn't have been further from the truth, right? Right? right. I mean, you're, it's just, you're, I don't know. I just have a big problem with people painting with broad brushes, right. always have, always will. I thought that the music selection, with as far as the records and the way that because I know actually know the guy who did the orchestrations, oh, nice and did the band work. He's a without going into vulgarity, he's an effing genius. No, no, you it's fine, you can, it's explicit. Well, he's curse. a fucking brilliant man. <laughs> Vince Giordano has been like, he has been, uh, uh, oddly enough, he has been a, a, not many people know about him unless you're in the scene. Well, actually, that's a lie now with Bulwark Empire. A lot yeah. of people know about him. Yeah. And I hear tell they're making a documentary about him. Oh, wow. But he's been like a figure to me and so many other, like, you know, like the, uh, the, the actually the the millennial generation mm-hmm. going and getting into this, like, weird, it's not weird, but to, like, the untrained ear and eye, it's like, whoa, this is not what we're used to. So yeah. that's weird, technically. But we got into this old music and collecting the old records and, and, you know, finding the old horns, the old sheet music and as many tunes and artists as there were known.
1: That's awesome.
2: So that's why it's like I really love the show for that. But I, I, I just started like losing it when it was just like, <laughs> this is like, OK, this is just cool clothes, throwing some cool records. Yeah. Let's really, really. M- and shoot some people. Yeah. yeah. And shoot some people. Yeah, that's it. Pretty much it. Um, so, and, but they made it believable I will no, say yeah, that for That's, sure well the thing was like, I was like damn it now I gotta go back and reread everything because <laughs> you, you just messed up the way I'm gonna <laughs> right. tell the damn story yeah it, ma- it makes you re-question everything that you uh, you know you've, you've known and the other thing that did crack me up about that show is like little dumb shit that they like how could you not like put this together like There's a scene where they're in a train station. This is like, what, 1921 or 20? Something like that, Well before the – ad, it's one of the earlier seasons. It's like well before they were in the 20s, 20s. They were still going from the teens in the early 20s. So at this point, there's no such thing really – well, there is, but they're not being used as diesel locomotives for the railroad. Yet at the railroad station, they have diesel horns going off instead of steam whistles. (laughs) I never noticed that. Dude, that that would have never happened. They were like – they really got a lot of little – Nerdular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nerdular qualities. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm the same way. When I watch movies, I pick up on things that I'm thinking, well, continuity, how like that's you know, and, and it's yeah, like I'm, when you watch a war movie,
2: it, like you watch yeah. half the Civil War and Western movies, look for guys wearing like you'll see seriously dudes wearing Timberlands and like construction <laughs> boots. Yeah. Or like you'll see like, I don't know, like rubber treads on boots. I'm like, dude, they had leather soles. Yeah. As soon, as, soon as you
0: start being a creative like any creative career. You watch movies in a different way. You yeah, you, start you can't nitpicking. just fucking enjoy it. No, yeah,
1: yeah, and that's the it's funny like, thing is to me, I still enjoy it. I'm just like, if a guy's wearing a tie that's blue, and all of a sudden he's a tie clip, and all of a sudden the tie clip's gone. Second yep. later, it's like, come on, yeah, if you have to take a fucking picture of him when you hit, you know, <laughs> cut, and when you do that scene again a week, a day, whatever later, use it as a reference photo. Yep. I don't yep. feel like
2: that's too much. To, I love it. The first, the first ever that I remember get, getting it, that really what got me into it was when Titanic came out. They you cried, didn't you? I did. I did. I just kept saying, I'll never let go of my sleep for like the next five days. <laughs> That's how
0: we met. Drew called me, he's like, I want you to And pay then me Leonardo like DiCaprio cream has, cream has
2: a restraining order on me. <laughs> <laughs> and Leo, I just want to be friends, man. I just want to be friends, man. Leo, I'm gonna get ice cream and play ball in the park, <laughs> so, just like my dad. Yeah. so you're my dad, Leo. <laughs> Okay. So Drew, uh He banged there, Angela Lansbury. That's what happened. It is. It is exactly what happened.
1: So is there a for the music you play, get back to music, is there a scene around Philly for this kind of stuff that you, you found over the years or that just happens to be, you know, where you are and where you make your art?
2: I don't know. It's like really it started with the farmer's cabinet when um I mean, I tried to do the Philly theme uh, when I was in my early 20s. That's not around anymore,
0: right? That's yeah, it's gone, right? It, yeah.
2: They closed that back in uh, July of 14. Yeah. and um, But before that, the place that's now known as PA6 was at one point, it's been a bunch of stuff in the last 10 years, but about 10 years back it was called uh, Le Bon Temps. It was French for the good times. It was run by a guy who had a similar complex to that of the owner of the farmer's cabinet. Mm-hmm. And uh which is how to run a place into the ground real fast and <laughs> and alienate and screw over just about everybody around you in the process.
1: So yeah. it was definitely a Philadelphia establishment. <laughs>
2: it was indeed. How'd you know? It's, it's so sad
1: that even just especially music places, like yeah. they change mean, like clubs, even right? Music mm-hmm. venues clubs. Yeah. They change names every six months or a year because someone took over, did a shit job, and then you gotta restart over, rebrand it, and do everything else
2: and and also, you gotta think about the the damages to the buildings that they yeah. had incurred. You know, like yeah, they. Were, I remember with the farmers' county, we had a perpetual leak almost every other month in certain <laughs> spots, and we'd be like, "Well, leaking again," <laughs> or the AC's busted because we found out when whoever originally like built this redid the two buildings, knocked down the wall, and made it a big place. By the time they got to buying the AC unit, which is what you're supposed to buy first, they realized oh. Well, we don't have enough money to buy the one we need. So we'll buy the thirty thousand dollar one aside from the eighty thousand dollar one that we actually need. <laughs> and that thing was always breaking because we were always trying to like jack it to the like right. maximum right. level. Right. At so it's not
1: it. 120 degrees in there.
2: Yeah, but it was it was it got bad in there sometimes, man. <laughs> I remember if I'm not mistaken, there was one year where it just the, the AC was busted and it was a Bad summer, like, yeah. It was bad. It kept, you
1: feel like you're doing the Chitlin' Circuit down south, and
2: really, it's a real <laughs> I, we, I basically had to redo the dress code for the band because <laughs> they almost <laughs> protested. <laughs> they were like, "Dude, dude, these wool
1: suits, we can't do it." Anymore. Well, no,
2: well, the thing is, that's the thing is about wool and the, these clothes. Like, that's why I ended up. This is like my whole reason why I started liking the old clothes. Like, I, I don't know. I was always a sucker for fashion, but the thing is, right. I started noticing that, like. When I was twenty, I bought an old suit for the first time because I was like, "I want to know what it felt like to have a, a real suit from the era." Because I have all right. of these contemporary suits, and they look good and they look classic, but they're they're not
0: not the same. So yeah, I put yeah. one on,
2: and it was actually from the twenties, and I, have yeah. it, I still have it up the wow, stairs, really? but it still lasts, and I have. I have put that thing to the limits, and it's lasted almost right. 100 years, and it's still going strong. That's crazy. But that's you, you, say you should, it, you you should see him and
0: Dan House shop and talk about clothes when they're together. Oh, oh I can imagine. Well, like they say, you
1: don't. They
2: don't make, <laughs> I think they don't I've don't make given him like a good quarter to. of my like stuff, <laughs> yeah. and I still have way too much. I can, can swing a stick in my room, and I'll just break the stick because it'll just hit clothes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, oh, but I was saying with Titanic, they yeah. came out with a whole thing of bloopers, like multiple sites of them too, and you had to actually kinda of go through them all to catch every one. Really? But they literally told you every single little mess up, like how in the scene where the old ladies looking at the cameras of the wreckage, you could see the camera crew in the back and the in the in the screen. And like mm. all this other stuff, and like seeing Kate Winslet's tattoos when she's about to jump off the back, and like yeah, he really he
0: really likes the Titanic. He keeps going back to the Titanic. That's because uh, you know when you
2: see Kate Winslet naked, it's just like it's a twelve year old life changing. Yeah, it was Twelve years yeah. old, you know, Who's a sexual awakening. Kate, a Kate Winslet has some nice titties, yeah, you know, nice <laughs> nice tush there too. You know, that was a slamming bod, Miss Winslet. I hope I hope it's not aging like milk.
0: <laughs> all right, so back to Philly. No, come on. With venues, okay. So I know you play around Philly a lot. Yeah, uh, we we were talking earlier. You're playing another gig today later, but what are some of the venues that really stick out that you gravitate towards too? I know you mentioned Vespers, a
2: Vespers. Well, that they're my they're my main slice. because yeah. you know, those guys have give they they're they're um they're I'm their house band leader and and musician, so I end up playing there basically two to three times a week on any given week. Nice, and which is really I mean every week. But I um, also play a lot at the Mochilu. Um When the farmer's cabinet closed down, um, it was really, uh, 2014 was a very rough year. And this year was, it was a good year, but it was still rough because of the transitioning. But when the farmer's cabinet closed, I was just pounding the pavement and furiously, uh, for work and came up with uh the Mochulu of all things first and Oh wow, really? Yeah, Securiday. It's
0: got to be a nice place to play on the weekends.
2: It was. Yeah. Well, the thing is they I I I don't really do it uh, currently, but I still do a lot of their special of, I do I'm playing there for New Year's Eve with oh, my nice. band, but I was doing Sunday brunches yeah. there for about a year and a half after the Did you
0: didn't you just do something for Veterans Day for them?
2: Uh actually, that was over on the another ship I would like to okay. pl- we play on a lot is right behind the Mochulu or er, but basically, going north is the um, is the USS Olympia, okay, which is one of the like most historic ships in the world. Yeah, wow. Because it's the last, it's actually, if I'm not mistaken, it is the last of its kind. There is, there's, there's very few warships, if not any uh-huh. from that era. That one's from the actual, the, the 1890s during the Spanish American War. That thing was Holy shit. over with Dude. the main and that thing helped win the battle at Manila Bay. Wow. And that, that ship is a serious testament to veterans yeah. and to,
0: How was it playing Veterans Day on that ship? I bet it felt pretty good.
2: It feels like it does playing there every time, but a little bit more- Somber because when you're standing on a gun turret, yeah, that you're just like, Wow, I stood in a spot like, even though this is a reproduced gun turret, because the thing was stripped of everything at one point, it was almost scrapped. Yeah, it it has a very long history that I can't go into details here, and I don't fully know it. Or I know people that know it much better than I do, (laughs) right? (laughs) And um, that ship though is still mostly original to its the way it is. You can go down to the boiler rooms, yeah, the big old wooden. Steel, I mean brass banded wow. boilers and parts. It's, That's cool, and it's really haunted. <laughs> that makes it a bit fun as well. Yeah, I've,
0: I've heard some stories about that. Yeah.
2: Well, I don't know uh, what's more haunted, because I think actually, no, I know. We play a lot at Fort Mifflin. Mm-hmm. This is a place. That where is that? Is right by the airport. You could sometimes see it if you if you catch a plane going the right direction, and if you look out nowhere to look out the window, it's right around where all the oil fields are. Right there mm. on the lip of the Delaware. It's a fort that it originally stems back to the French and Indian War when it was a mud fort but then it was wow. rebuilt in it was rebuilt several times and during the revolution it was a semi-modern fort and it held off the british fleet for about 3 months if i'm not mistaken i i can't remember the i always get the the stories but it was used basically all the way up through civil war times, and then it was um, it went out of commission, I believe, in the 60s or 70s, because it was used as a storage place for right. the service for a while.
0: Yeah, but
2: now it's a historic site, and we do a show there every year called the uh, the Mud Island Speakeasy, and we oh, just that's everybody awesome. comes out, and we just you know we have a couple of you know uh, it's all basically it's basically a fundraiser. It's yeah. you know it's no money really changes hands. It's very much just to keep the Ford alive, right. And, like, a, like a gambling steamboat? Basically. Well, we, we always, we, we we have all sorts of, we'll like fire off the cannons and we'll have guys come out with shotguns oh, and zombie so. guns and we'll do raids and fire off 45s at each other. With- that's great. Yeah. That's great. Uh, that's actually
0: a good transition to the question I was going to ask before that, but it made sense to ask after. Um, I know, I, I, I forget when it was. I, I'm pretty sure it was this past year, but I started to notice some articles with a lot of, Record companies kind of cracking down on jazz uh, jazz musicians playing older songs in clubs and kind of putting a stop to it because of, you know, licensing and whatever. Did you experience any of that at all?
2: Well, it's a funny story. Oh, here we go. Because (laughs) I did, but not in the sense you're going to think of. Uh Uh-huh. In that... um, Sony paid him lots of money. No, somebody (laughs) actually tried to, who was after our band, Mm. who was like... Basically, um, um, trying to get us to lose work was going around to places, pretending to be one of these agents Shut of off. companies, and saying you owe us royalty fees and this and this and that and whatever crap he was spouting. And uh, uh, they, somebody said, calls me and says we might have to stop the music. And I, you know. It inquired into it and found out they told me who it was i said that's not even a real agent you just got duped <laughs> yeah and i said you should deal with him properly if he ever comes in again <laughs> right right and so that was that was that was the closest i have that but i have heard that like you know silk city's getting into some something for playing whitney or oh wow oh really that's what i heard I, huh. there was a um, i saw an article the other day that somebody's getting um sued, um, I don't know by who, but for not paying rights. I mean, I can understand from more contemporary stuff, because frankly, it's like, you know if if I'm a contemporary artist, uh, I would want to be cashing in on my dollars, not yeah. for nothing. But to me, it's like, these, these guys that we, we go out of our way to respect and honor their music and their talents and their prowess as, as artists, they're dead. Yeah. Their families don't deserve shit. because you know what? their families who ever deserve shit like the wives and the children are dead. yeah. or they don't f- I mean, no, they're all dead. they're all. They're, they're, and the, the thing is there's weird laws now with our music. In that it's like it used to be. It was 1926 and before something. I don't really remember all the rules, but there was like rules that was before a certain year in the 20s. It was open public domain. Yeah. And now I hear it's something like it's 70 years after the death of the the composer's um, last yeah.
1: living family members No,
2: no, it's like the 70 years after the death of the composer. You you have to wait, and then it's like you can. I don't know. It's like something. I'm really bad with this kind of stuff but it's right. like I always just make sure that when we do a recording session that you know find out who's who's got the hold in this yeah. who wants the money here's your goddamn money right. you know, I'm, I just <laughs> I don't want no trouble yeah. like I, I just I really don't like it, to me it's like I, I'm grumbling just as much as the next guy like I don't owe you dick squat like seriously right. <laughs> I don't owe you shit because you know you're just you're all spreading it amongst your shirt sleeves and getting another Armani and a new Porsche. <laughs> you know, like why the hell should I give you shit? Man. But really, the
0: record companies. I mean, mean, to me, if
2: you were telling yeah. me like my money is going to go get my favorite composer who's still buried without a, a tombstone in in New York City, uh, that you if you tell me that, that my money that I'm giving you off royalties is going there, oh I I wouldn't even argue yeah. But the fact is that you are still clocking royalties on his dollars, and he still li- lies unknown with a little thing of plastic flowers on his grave. That's yeah.
0: that's awesome. So it's it's really a deeper sense of respect, and you just don't want to pay the record company because they, they don't need it.
2: Yeah. To me, it's like yeah, they're, they're going to make money off that one-hit wonder of this next up-and-comer that's going to be going out the window within the next 15 years. I mean, like – and no offense to, this, to a lot of these these quote-unquote artists out there today, but like these these beavers and these, like, you know, all these other idiots. Like, no offense, like you go around for this big public image, like look how badass I am and I, I'm into trouble all the time and I had to go to rehab and I had to do – I'm like you did it because you wanted the fucking attention. If you actually knew how to play a piano and hold your liquor and and, you know, actually knew how to play an instrument and be somebody and not just go around for an image, to me it's like – That you you learn how to to respect yourself and the world around you just a little bit more because you actually Uh realize you have something and not people just handing you shit because you're a little boy toy or, or you're the, you're the guy (laughs) that all these 50 year old husbands are jacking off to because their wife (laughs) turned into a bulldog, you know, like it's, 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 it's so sad the way the music industry controls social behavior nowadays in that. It it, it, it it lets people know it's okay to behave certain like vulgar ways. Right. When back in the day, it's like, oh my God, you're playing jazz music. <laughs> <laughs> you heathens, that's, you're drinking. Oh, can you get me a shot? Yeah. <laughs> that's the devil's work. <laughs> and you know, like I love the people that like, it was like, these same people that said that though they were going out to the clubs. Oh, of course. And it's the same thing today, really, yeah. but it's just che- it's cheesed out today. It's like there's no real it's all synthesizers. Those like things across the rooms. Like there's no weight in those keys, there's no soul in them. there's no like, fucking ivory. There's <laughs> yeah. no strings. I mean, I mean like it may sound weird and like and like you know trite and like quaint, but to me it's just like I just know what I like and to me it's like doesn't mean you have to like it or not like it because I don't like this shit, but to me it's just like I, I just personally don't get it. Yeah. Like, I heard plenty of shit that's going on today. I'm like, wow, I dig what you guys are doing with horns and how you're doing right. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like the, all these brass bands. Like, there's so many fucking brass bands now around doing everything from Balkan music to, like, you know, Indian brass bands and all this other stuff. And, you know, even the New Orleans brass band craze is strong again. Yeah, yeah that's actually
1: yeah. A, good, a good transition. So, I mean, have you, have you ever done New Orleans yet, played down there?
2: We have a standing invitation to play Preservation Hall when we come down in New Orleans oh, that's amongst awesome. other places cuz awesome. I don't know how it happened we just ended up like meeting somebody there and they loved us and and they said listen you guys ever come down Preservation Hall hook, hook hit us up and we we'll, we love to have you play there while you're down here playing your other shows. Right. It's got to
0: be just a whole different vibe and energy down there with this kind of music.
2: It is but it's I I feel like it's the same thing that the same complaint I have about what goes on in New York with this this music. And what goes on everywhere anymore? Because you know what, I get it. If you have a concept of like, how you right. of how you want to play your jazz, yeah. But if you're gonna say if you're gonna do this stupid little heading of your show of like 1920s prohibition era <laughs> style New Orleans <laughs> two beat two step four swing jazzy blah blah blah, I'm like, just pick a name, <laughs> pick a style, <laughs> practice please practice and like, just do it. There's so many bands that just half ass it. And a lot of people are like, you know, Drew, there goes Drew again. I'm like, yeah, because you know what? My band doesn't half ass it. And I'm like, not going to say it in any note of arrogance. I'm saying it in every note of confidence. And that's the thing is people so often mix confidence with cockiness because half the people in the world don't have a shred of confidence to their, to their character. Right. And To me, I have very little, but when it comes to my band, that's where I will put my last dollar of confidence. Is that these guys, I make them practice. I get them tunes. More obscure, the better. I make them listen to the records incessantly. I'm like, if I don't hear you humming that tune, I know you're not like listening to it. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know your shit. I mean,
2: and to me, it's like, even when I don't know something, I want somebody to know up front, like, okay, you guys should take the lead on this because, like, I don't want to massacre it. Right. Yeah,
0: and you're well versed in a few different instruments. And uh
1: Yeah, and yeah. A... So there's um I know one of your things, and it fascinated me because when I heard this, uh Stevie told me about it, and I <laughs> I just literally was like, Wait, what? You apparently play a tea kettle.
2: Oh yes. Okay,
1: so wait, wait. Before before you get on it, how did this come about? And I mean the first question most people ask is, you know. How high were you? But I mean, when were you going, hey, a piano, this, like a, you know, a tea kettle? I want to play a fucking tea kettle. And Well you grabbed the wrong glass. You thought your gin was in that one. Yeah, <laughs> right.
2: It's <laughs> like, who did this? What who did this? Who put that there? No, it was it was we showed up um, we were playing a gig at the Hotel Bethlehem. We play up in Bethlehem a bunch too at a um for a while. We were playing a, um, At the Hotel Bethlehem and then the bookstore Speakeasy, which was ran by none other than the owner of the soon-to-be-the-farmer's cabinet. And so we basically went from Bethlehem to Philadelphia with mm-hmm. him. That's how that had happened. Oh, nice. But while we were up in Bethlehem, we were playing a lot at the Hotel Bethlehem for, like, their holiday season. We just had a, a le- basically at least once a month there, if not several times a month, depending on the time of the year with Music Fest and holiday season and whatnot. Right. But uh, one day we were up there... And I think it was during the fall. It was like November or something. It was about six or seven years ago, and we were we arrived one time, and then we were there was uh, some conference going on. They let it out. They, they said it was going to be late, so they. They they set us up with some beer and some drinks and uh, some food. All compliments of the house because we were like there. I and
0: knew and drinks had to be part of this. It had. Oh, to be. it did.
2: It's, <laughs> and you know, like you know, the, the, there were some left-handed cigarettes in there as well. But you know, that's <laughs> left. Yeah, okay, lefties. Left you know, lefty yeah. Lucy. Yeah. Um, but uh, the thing is, you know, they, they just felt bad because we are just sitting around. We're just like you know talking and you know just barely sitting around with our thumbs up our backsides. And they just come over and they said, "Hey, we well, you know um." come on over here we got guys some food what do you guys want to eat like and um so they hooked it up and so we finished dinner and it's still got another like 45 minutes to wait and so mm. we drank some more beer yeah. some more, more, more whatever we were drinking <laughs> and then one of my guys johnny uh johnny peppers
1: is johnny peppers that <laughs> that's his stage nice. name it. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So he plays bass sax and all these other crazy instruments and the dude's like Completely, like he's just, he's this space cadet genius. He just always has an idea. Mm -hmm. He, like, you you look at him, he always looks like he's got his mind on the next, like, the next concept of what is going to happen. You always (laughs) got to have one of those guys in your crew. He reminds me a lot of, there's definitely a bit of Doc Brown from Back to the Future in him, (laughs) but, um, which is awesome because I love Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. Which, um, we got to get him on one of these. (laughs) Yes. Get me involved in that one. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, uh, so Johnny says, hey, you got your mouthpiece. I'm like, Johnny, it's a gig. I got my mouthpiece. So he comes over, he says, Well, here, give it to me. I'm like, dude, don't don't drop it, break it, lose right. it, don't hurt it. I was like, I need this for like fit in the like, you know, when we start. So he pulls out this teapot, this teapot, and he, <laughs> he like puts the mouthpiece on the end of it and hands it to me. And I I was just like, You're kidding me. <laughs> you gotta be shitting me. What is this? What the hell is this? And he's like, it's the hot tea kettle. And I was like, what? No way. He's like, try it. So I, I like put it up and I was just like, at first it was slow going, but I was just like, we just I said, like, I'm just gonna try it right on, on yeah. the band set. <laughs> so we start playing and I start throwing it on like some solos and like,
0: yeah. You know,
2: and then you could play something cute and impress the ladies and make them and you know that stuff. You know, that's nice that's yeah.
1: awesome that's awesome Take like i wet in the panties and you is that is that something <laughs> that uh you like could you modify it at all
2: oh yeah that's the, that's the thing is it, it's very um it's kind of funny being written in front of a microphone with this but is it's it? um oh, god that thing is na- nasty inside <laughs> <laughs> I don't clean it because it gets that special tone, you know. Yeah, but yeah. you can get a little bit of because um, it's basically all played by vibration, you know, the buzzing of the of the lips, like you know you're right. playing like a trumpet, trumpet or something. Exactly. Yeah, uh-huh. it's like which basically the trumpet is just the valves closing off and opening different sections of air. Right. So you're basically controlling most things with moving your jaw and your armature and aperture. So. <laughs> so you can get all sorts of little like kind of. It's more or less just muffling it and altering it than anything. Wow. But that's, that's awesome.
1: yeah. I mean the, the, was, the first time seeing that, I was just like, Wow. Yeah, his mind is blown. That's fucking that cool. was the first I think it was a you show me what, a YouTube video of him performing and yep. playing it. And yeah, said, one one of the Philly clubs. Yeah, he said he said uh he this guy plays a tea kettle. Yep, there's a few <laughs> and of them. That was
2: the first he had me hooked. I'm like, I gotta talk, <laughs> I gotta talk to this guy. But that's no, but to go back to the real quick to the bands. Mm-hmm. The uh with New Orleans, there's a lot of these um There's still, there's a lot of what I call the touristy bands that, you know, they play the Dixieland or whatever you want to call it, whereas opposed to what we're doing with the hot jazz or the the jazz, you know, the the, the jazz age, whatever the hell you want to call it, hot jazz, hot music. They didn't even know what the hell to call it back then. That's the thing. There wasn't a name for it. The Dixieland craze came around the 40s and the 50s when the old heads that weren't dead or dying off, they got them some more, more gigs. But then in New Orleans, it kept building off of that. Now, New Orleans is a lot of a hodgepodge of all different kinds of fusions of jazz, which I dig, uh-huh. but I still miss the fact that there's not a lot of guys doing the the real classic right. New Orleans feel from the teens of the 20s. And then with New York, you got the same thing. You got some great bands like Vince Giordano's Nighthawks Orchestra that are doing the Boardwalk Empire. You got Michael Arenella's band. He's doing a lot of stuff with the Governor's Island Lawn Party and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And you got, a, 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 and, but then there's like, there's there's a few other great bands too, but the is like there's a lot of, it feels like there's I don't know I just feel like there's something lacking in a lot of it that right. just gets a little bit too hokey and touristy and oversold. And well, yeah, I mean yeah. think about I mean, it. Like
1: I think jazz is one of those music genres that it's it's you're, it's completely split, and it's either people who know good jazz right and respect, like you said. The the origins and the original story and the people who really did it and then without
2: being purists
1: right right and then there's the people who just kind of came around and say oh I like this because I go to this club that has an open
2: mic and they play jazz yeah Yeah. sometimes they let me sing yeah
0: (laughs) yeah there's do you did you guys ever see Ghost World oh yeah that's a it it reminds his
2: band that was his band as well he did the soundtrack to that and he did it to the Aviators oh my god that's awesome the
0: Aviator but in in Ghost World I think this is a relevant you know. Uh, comparison, but remember when they, I think, Buscemi and um, Birch they go into that club and he goes to see this old Tommy like blues player and then he gets done and there's that like new, that new like blues rock cheesy shit that comes on. You mean, and blue, that being, you, mean you mean Blues Traveler? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't give him that much respect. Oh god, I hate that band, but i think the comparison what jose was just talking about if you if you saw that movie and you saw that part you would just die laughing because so it was like the really solid classical you know jazz blues guy was just going off no one cared yeah but then that stupid cheesy like you know the bar the bar band yeah just started going off with
2: yeah, it was just garbage. I but I, that's the what, comparisons that's what even cracks me up about being <laughs> at certain clubs that you know, like back in the day with farmers, it was one thing because you know, like I had such a hand in what went on musically at that place. I mean, I was there five nights a week for Christ's sakes. Yeah, I mean, my iPod was playing incessantly. I mean, uh, half the time we were just so lazy we never had a new shit to it. So the waitstaff <laughs> would get to be like, Drew, please put new shit on there. <laughs> but we would always be playing the old records and stuff like that. So it sounded great that when the band went off, you just have the old records playing, like, yeah. it just disappeared. And now uh, right. you're left in this parlor again or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think it's so funny when you're playing at these places and you got to ask them, yo, can you put something on that's going to kind of match the – set the mood? Right. And it's like – feel like, no, but they're going to appreciate it all the more when you go on. I'm like, no, they're no, not. They're <laughs> going to be yeah. confused, you yeah. – ret- I mean, no, you idiot. <laughs> Cut that out. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I hate, no, it's fine. I hate saying that word, though. <laughs> but that's...
1: it's like uh, – imagine if you had Lady Gaga on and then all of a sudden – Oh, God. You know, yeah. Drew comes out and you're going, wait, what? <laughs>
0: Well you're talking about all these people that you respect and everything. are there any are there any musicians local or you know maybe not local that you really respect and would love to maybe collaborate with and play some music with?
2: well, yes I mean i I do and there's I mean there's some not local too a lot of them are overseas there's yeah. um there's some there's a, a wonderful band uh, called the Bratislava Hot Serenaders and they have like, <laughs> I'm sorry, can you repeat that The Bratislava <laughs> Hot Serenaders that is awesome. They're they're an amazing band. Um there's also where
1: are, the, where are they based out of?
2: Bratislava.
1: That would be that would answer that question. <laughs> you know, here I am thinking maybe they could come from there and play somewhere but else. They, no,
2: negative. And like a few of their like a few of the people in the cast, like they have like a whole troupe There's like singers and like dancers and they all dress up and they like all like they're all mostly young too. Mm-hmm. That's what really cracks me up, is like how young the scene is getting over here, but it's always been like that across the sea, like in Australia and Europe. I mean, I know a guy in in in, in um, Australia in Melbourne. I haven't even met him yet, but I'm trying to do a, uh, love to do something with him. It's uh, Andrew Nolte and his novelty yeah. Six. And then there's the, uh, there's, there's like, there's some guys that are older now in their 50s, but they've been doing it since the 80s over there, like the Hot Anic Jazz Band from France. Uh huh. And there's the red hot reed warmers from they're from France and they have people from France and Germany. And there's um, Mauro Poro and his I forget what he calls his band now. There's the Alex Mendham Orchestra. There's mm-hmm. in London. There's uh, Max Rob in Germany Max Rob yeah. and his Palace Orchestra, and they're like big time famous. That dude comes over here, and he sells he sells out the house.
0: Yeah, and he yeah. plays
2: at like the Kennedy Center and like the biggest venues. I would love wow. to know who books That's him awesome. because. Yeah. I would love to do a show with him because he does everything sung in German. He does the old, he basically does the old pre-war German ship before the Nazis took over. Wow. So like when there was German sweet music with people like singing and it's beautiful if you can appreciate I personally am one who can appreciate it right because it, it's just like I'm part German to me it's like there's mm-hmm. a huge fondness for that like that just got stomped out by Hitler's fury yeah mm-hmm. and he it, it was such a, a scary thing to be an artist or an actor in, in during that time over there that right. it's just like that history. Although a lot of people sneer at it from the quote unquote, this is why I don't necessarily like the serious jazz people is because they sneer at things like that. They go, that's silly. I'm like, dude, this is culture. This is like, this is like cool shit. It doesn't need your solo. It doesn't need your (laughs) your stupid little self proclamating and self congratulatory bebop solo that goes on for 20 minutes of five choruses. And (laughs) we still didn't give a shit from the first one (laughs) and we're now sleeping 20 minutes later we're just drunk and talking over you
0: right
2: (laughs) and it's just I don't know my one friend hit the nail on the head and um, um, calls it pointy jazz pointy pointy it's very pointy (laughs) pointy (laughs) jazz it's like nope Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, and the drummer sounds like he's trying to hit a fly that keeps landing on every single one of his drums, and <laughs> and the bass player just—it's like it's—it's it's as if it's—it's it's bad luck to hit the same note in one measure. Like, <laughs> And then like everybody else is like, I'm like, dude, I've made better noise at a hangover at 4 a.m. Yeah. on the toilet bowl. <laughs> nice.
1: So you mentioned uh, the Kennedy Center and stuff like that. Is there like are there some clubs that are kind of on your let's say like your your white whales, like something that you would just um, love to play and stuff like that?
2: Oh yeah, um, I mean. Really, there's so many of them. I just, like, you know, I get enamored with all the old theaters, like the Forest and the yeah. Walnut Street Theater and and just all these old venues. And I just, you know, it to me is I, I kind of got over that, that phase of, you know, having this ideal, you know, venue that I want to play because it's just like I want to play them all. I mean, yeah. to me, it's like if it's going to put money in my pocket and keep me from having to take a goddamn j- day job again. Right. <laughs> so be it like you know i'll I'll play for them and it's hell if it's a nice enough garage even yeah but um i just feel like it It what i do i just do what i want to do and what i love to do i would have done it for free and i get paid to do it so are there any
0: are there any places in philly that kind of had that really cool speakeasy piano player vibe still like the one thing i like like rancid room but it's too I small. I just like the ideal situation. It's like that scene in Dick Tracy. Remember that? Oh, yeah. When they walk into the, the club. I love that movie. Yeah, yeah. Madonna's there. The piano player is just playing. There's like that really soft, low key light, and the smoke just. There's a filming. great
2: room that looks almost exactly like that in uh-huh. Fort Worth called the Scat Jazz Lounge. And I've played there a couple times. Yeah. And that place is so goddamn cool. You have to go down an alley. And down the alley, there's this huge neon sign blinking and flickering at you, and it says jazz. And you got you push a button, an elevator opens, takes you downstairs. Oh, Sounds huh. like
0: the perfect place. I oh, yeah. open up, it's Sounds smoky. Awesome.
2: You can smoke in there, and it's it's bars, tables, you know, like the stage with the grand piano, and it's just yeah. so damn cool. But the uh, I don't know, like it's. I'm trying to make it a thing again because I've got a connection with a piano company that I can't really divulge the informations, but um, (laughs) because then people will steal my ideas and then I'll have to break their jaws (laughs) and, um, but, or break their knees, whichever one I humor first. (laughs) And, um, the, uh, the, the thing is, is like the farmer's cabinet started at The saloon, which is a place we still play at a bunch over in South Philly, Seventh and Fitzwater, mm-hmm. it's like a, it's an amazing place. I mean, the characters and cast of people that come. Oh,
0: out I know. Of it. When you saw it's it's kind of near that coffee shop in the corner. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's it's right near Growlers Pub as yeah. well. It's like a block away from Growlers. Yeah, the,
0: I haven't been in there, but the outside of it looks.
2: Awesome. It's insane. It cool, yeah. When you walk in there, it's like walking into a piece of Philadelphia museum history. There's artifacts from all over the city, signs, oh, wow. th- uh, all sorts of odd items. Oh, and, like, man. One night you'll see politicians one night you'll see paisan you know like you know (laughs) making payoffs and yeah they probably won't let me say that but so so delete that (laughs) delete that because yeah i actually did have an encounter like that there and we cannot go into detail (laughs) (laughs) i'm dead serious i I, I believe you i've heard some
0: of your stories
2: (laughs) i cannot go into detail about some of the stories that have happened at the saloon but i guarantee (laughs) you they love me still and they still give me jobs
0: (laughs) nice nice uh we how much time do we have? We're
1: I mean yeah, I think we only have a couple left, really, right? Yeah. So I know I mean, one thing one thing you mentioned that I'm I'm sure a lot of people would would love to hear about is you mentioned um uh, having a, another day job. <laughs> Whoa, and scared is there me. like what 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 was your what was your day job like? Like what did you do before you decided to go full time with uh with music?
2: Well, um <laughs> The last day job I had, I got fired from because that's how it always works, right? They basically were just saying that um, uh, it was it was nepotism, plain and simple, and it was just you know they wanted to keep on the people that were there longer instead of get rid of the new, and they figured get rid of the new guy because they were under budget and whatnot, and it was like it wasn't. It wasn't charming work. It was nothing to write home and be like, "Oh, I do this," <laughs> right. and you know, like let me go uh, do my power march around the room because I clean the the spit and slobber out of instruments in a chemical bath and do minor repairs. <laughs> so I was just like, "I'm done with this shit." Like that is that's that's it for me,
1: right?
2: And because I was getting like chemical burns and all this other nonsense, oh, wow. and I was like, "Seriously, this is this is this is just old news." So. Yeah. I said, F that, and when they fired me, I just basically amped up the game on my gigs and told the people I was working for I'm like, hey, need the work. I want to work more. I don't want to go back to this day job shit where I'm just under-evaluated all the yeah. time.
1: Yeah, right. I think about it. Three people in this room, last job, laid off, fired. What about you? Fired. Fired. Hey, yeah. screw them,
0: right? Yep, shooting, screwing. Shooting in-house full-time, using all my own stuff, not getting yeah. compensated for anything, and it's ridiculous, but... Yeah. That's okay. what I'm
2: saying. It's like if I found, I mean, if I wanted to consider anything, if remotely close to what you call "quote unquote" day work, I mean, it have to be something that's on my terms. Not even on my terms, because I don't want to sound selfish like that. But um, in the sense that it's got to be something enjoyable yeah. and, and stimulating. That yeah. you know, like I'll be like, okay, this is even though this is something new as an experience to me. It's stimulating. It's invigorating yeah. to the mind. Like it's making me think on my f- it's think on my feet. Yeah, you're you're
0: a creative
1: person like us. Like that's what you need. You just you can't function without it, really. Well, I mean, like you said, not even not even that. It's just I feel like even even he could let's just say um, you know take on something that might be let's just also say quote unquote mundane. But if he finds it interesting. And he feels That's like what he's I mean. Somewhat, interesting or
0: stimulating, right. something that yeah. makes you like think a little bit more right. than you're not. You're not sitting just, behind like data entry. I was gonna say you're not, you're yeah. not just doing yeah. <laughs> data entry in some basement. But even you know, even though know, it pays the bills, it's gotta. It's gotta push your yeah. push your dome gears. You, you don't wanna
2: be sitting in traffic like I'd be the guy like that's like boom like you, yeah. know, you know like, the terrorist argument. Like, like, the, oh, yeah. like my, you know, my like, like have that road today. rage because you just hate your life. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, fuck you, I'm just gonna hit your car and run away. Like yeah. that's oh yeah, let's be that guy. Let's I just wanna be that guy when I grow yeah. up.
1: You know what's funny? I uh, I do some side work and construction you know, with, with some family members. And, and it's funny, we do a lot of stuff at like hospitals and big buildings that have, you know, a lot of, let's just say a corporate space. And every single time I don't know what it is when I walk by cubicles, like when I'm working, usually it's like overnight, like we'll get in there at six and we'll work until two or three in the morning. And, uh, and I'm sitting there and doing pretty, pretty crazy shit that I'm learning. Like, you know, hanging drywall, metal stud work and all this stuff I've never known. But when I walk by a cubicle, I sit there and go.
2: Thank God, I'm not there. Oh God! It's you know, like you know it's like, yeah. it's I mean, like being it's, in a pen in a zoo. Yeah. It's like oh, the the, the the floor boss is going to come around and look at us and make sure we're not throwing poop at each other or something. You know. I said they don't stop sit. throwing that poop.
1: Yeah. Stop it. Yeah.
2: Sit. I, I think the only
1: thing be they laugh feed was you though, like workaholics. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. oh God. Like Have something. you guys
2: watched Master of None yet, or Ma- Master of Nothing, whatever they're, no. That, no. Know, Aziz Ansari's show? Oh no, I heard oh, about it. I, I heard about he it. He was just
0: on. Colbert talking about it.
2: it. I liked the first episode because of the poop shoes joke. <laughs> poop shoes? Yeah, the one right. character says to Aziz, he says, he says, his character's name is Dev, and she says, and Dev's asking her about, you know, like, oh, well, I, I thought you and Dave, your husband, are doing great. And he says, no, no, he, he pooped in my shoes. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, yeah, he calls it poop shoes. He goes around pooping in people's shoes.
0: <laughs> well, then, that's...
2: I mean, I just love random shit like that. Like, the whole show is being kind of sarcastically funny up until this point. right. And I really can, like, to me, it's like, that's why David Spade stops becoming funny to me after, like, a few lines. Fire! (laughs) Fire! Who's on it? We gotta go save them. We'll be like those guys that run out and grab on the back of the truck. Where we going, boys? (laughs) Dorothy's kittens in a tree again? Holy shit! (laughs) The right. zebras, they so, escaped from the zoo again <laughs> Really? Oh yeah, really I forgot about that, that. Yeah.
0: Zebras, they were, there zebras,
2: there were zebras they Did were running about around the West Zebras Philly. from the circus escaped Wait, you're Nobody serious? believes yeah. me this because this nobody serious. Serious. ever believes me
1: yeah. <laughs> Well, let's be honest, the transition from that At the end, I wouldn't think the last thing he just
2: said Was going to be factual <laughs> yeah, It's not credible whatsoever, <laughs> except for now Because it actually is yeah,
0: It was just last week yeah, Ze- yeah, Zebras not escaped from the Philly Zoo No, no, no,
2: there was a circus over at Fairmount Park and the handlers are trying to get the zebras to come along, boy, come along, boy. And they're like, they were like, yeah, well, whatever noise they make. And they just said, "Fuck this!" and just like took off, you know. Wow, yeah,
0: West Philly zebras running around. That's it. Wow. You know,
2: I yeah. wanted to catch one. I would have totally love that. Yeah, be like, yo, guys, we check found out. our new. we yeah. found our new security animal. Yeah, check out my
1: pet zebra in the basement of my apartment. I'm going to play him. I'm yeah. going to play him like a piano.
2: <laughs> he would work with the scheme of the house. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, going back to the day jobs. Fuck them. The day jobs and the jobs and gigs and whatever. Are there any gigs there coming up that you want to
2: mention? Oh, yeah. Maybe? Those are the day jobs, baby. The day jobs <laughs> are the night jobs because I live in the night and sleep in the day. <laughs> what so what, what do you have coming up? I I, know I saw
0: me. I saw an invite from you for, I think, New Year's Eve. Oh, yeah. Eve, we,
2: got, we got a whole bunch of shit coming up. We got um, – well, t- uh, the night before Thanksgiving, we're going to be at the uh, the Vesper for the possibly one of the biggest drinking and partying days known to the calendar of the year. People don't get this, is that the night before Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. you get drunk. Yeah. Because you realize that half the time on Thanksgiving, you're probably going to have to be on good behavior because, you know, little nephew Charlie's coming over, and he's, he's like... I got, how I pay best me. Charlie sounds drunk. Yeah, well, he probably is. <laughs> in he's my really, family, he's really a know? hammered
1: little person. Yeah.
2: Yeah. no, no, but he's you know they, they, you, you can't get drunk around the kids these days. They like throw the book at you. You know, it's like back in the day, you used to just get drunk around the kids and the kid pissed you off. What? And You shut up. <laughs> you know, like, but I didn't do it. I don't care. Shut up. Uncle Drew is drinking. <laughs> Uncle, Drew is drinking. <laughs> Uncle Drew is drinking right now. You're drunk. No, I am drinking. <laughs> And um, that's that. But to me, it's like Thanksgiving Eve, which everybody's like, you mean the night of Thanksgiving? I'm like, no, fuckhead. It's like Christmas Eve as opposed to Christmas Day. I know it doesn't make sense because the pilgrims didn't say, hey, Squanto, let's have a Thanksgiving Eve, you know? I mean, frankly, they were th- probably thinking about scalping them that night. I mean, the little Puritan assholes. But you know, so they're
0: a vesper with you, huh?
2: They, they are. Squanto, he parties with me, man. Good <laughs> guy. Him and Pancho Villa. Um, Pancho Villa, good friend of mine. Um, but no, that's hearsay. Or th- what do they call that? No, that's neither here nor there. Not hearsay. <laughs> um, haven't even had a drink yet. This is why I'm not functioning well. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs>
2: no, but the um, we also have uh, coming up. We're going to be playing. We play a lot with a group called the Orpheus Club. And uh-huh. the Orpheus Club is the oldest singing group in the country. They date back to the 1870s. All male choir. Oh wow! That they dubbed themselves a drinking club with a singing problem, <laughs> and they have an old 1920s stable building of the old stables on on uh, Van Pelt Street. Mm. Oh, that's awesome! Over by uh, near uh, 21st and 22nd, and it's just gorgeous. They've had this clubhouse since the 20s in their club. Wow. And on the second floor, there's the dining room and an upright piano. On the first floor, it's a rehearsal hall with a grand piano and a stage, and it's just really cool. And then they they do we uh, they they do parties and shows and concerts and and they just do uh, all these events throughout the year with their members, and it's it's amazing. Is it like an
1: invite only kind
2: of? No, thing? No, I mean you. I don't <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, you got to know some guy, but you don't
1: have to be the guy.
2: Yeah, right? I mean, you got to okay. know somebody, but it's not like. The Masons or something like that. Right. There's no like, password. Got, yeah, right. like, yeah, yeah. Not like getting into the Illuminati or something like
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my son's going to love that. Anytime he sees a triangle, Illuminati.
2: Illuminati. <laughs> Illuminati. But the um, Orpheus Club we're playing their Christmas party, which happens to be the anniversary of Repeal Day, December 5th, 1933. We'll be playing that. And also the anniversary of Mozart's birthday. All right. Uh, Mozart's death was at 1 a.m. on December 5th. He was 35. Good the year. Anyway. Getting a history
1: lesson too. So um, you know, last but not least, you know, again, thanks for being on. It's been it's been amazing. You know what? Hmm. Not to cut you off, I think I think it would be really cool
0: if Drew kinda did a little outro for us playing on his keys and doing a little
1: singing. What do you think? Play this out?
0: Okay. What do you think, Drew Nugent? I will do hold on
1: before he does that. Uh who's someone that you think we should have on the show that would be a good guest?
2: Aside from John C. Riley. Yeah, <laughs> so we are determined to get John Doctor C. Riley As Dr. Steve Brühl.
1: Yes, as Dr. Steve Brühl. I definitely want show. to be
2: in on this. Yes. <laughs> I. I, I let's, just... start,
1: let's start pulling some strings, as they say in the music world. Let's start saying our,
2: our a player. He plays, plays a lot of a jacket. <laughs> Got my bomber jacket. I going to wear my brawmer jacket. For your health. Yeah. Sleep brozo zone. <laughs> Dangus. That's a good one.
1: I, I'm cool with just that one. Yeah. Yeah. We're just gonna Good. go off to John C. Ryan. Right awesome. So, uh,
0: yeah. Now we'll here's some talent. I also spewing think. Out I, I also fingers. think that's
2: somebody we keep, we should get just because he's, oh, he's there. not done. No, but there's <laughs> there's one more guy I forgot. Yeah. He's been a pretty much like a teacher and mentor to me. He's like, uh-huh. um, I believe he's 85 now. Uh, Marty Gross. Marty Gross, and he's the son of George Gross. Uh, it's spelled G O G R O S Z. And it's originally pronounced Grosch. And they were um, from the Weimar Republic, if I'm not mistaken. And they left before the Nazis came in, came to New York. And wow. Marty became single-handedly one of the greatest jazz guitarists ever to live. That's awesome! Brilliant singer and showman, and just like—is he in Philly or? Yeah, he lives right over at 19th and Nordane. and uh, me and him hang out all the time. He drops letters in my mailbox <laughs> really all the time. There's like sheet music and CDs, and he'll like draw little caricatures on him and stuff. That is awesome! Cool. Awesome. Yeah, uh, he's he's definitely got his father's artistic hands because his father was George Grosch, the expressionistic painter.
1: Oh wow!
2: And he was like a serious, serious painter in the Weimar Republic before he had to come over here to uh, to uh, New York.
1: Hmm. Wow. All right. We'll,
0: definitely, we'll definitely check what him was, out. we make a the, nice introduction. Uh, I, um, you mentioned the guy who did all the music for Boardwalk. What was oh, his Vince name? Oh, Vince
2: Giordano. He'd be a good guy to get on, too. I mean, he just, the dude just knows so much. I def, yeah. I'd say with either Marty or Vince, very much like myself, you know, try to figure out what questions you want to <laughs> ask, ask them because those guys will have the answer and then some. <laughs> awesome. I, mean, I used to like just call and um and just you know bend their ears until they could take no more still do you know just Vince is too busy anymore Vince is always you know doing something i can never get a hold of him anymore right yeah but Marty's uh Marty's always yeah he always, anytime you ask Carl, you should all try to try to get a recording of him answering the phone because when he answers the phone <laughs> he'll either be like yeah or he'll go speaking <laughs> Sounds awesome, great. Drew. All Where's right, Joe? so. Drew, do I'm you gonna
1: like to move see? this? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to turn it down anyway. Oh, yeah, I'm going to use it? Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah let's change levels a bit, and, and then we'll
0: we'll have a really cool outro for this thing. For, and- for Drew. Actually, Drew, why don't you say your, your actual band's name quick? I don't think we even mentioned it. Oh, yeah, it.
2: we didn't. Uh, Drew Nugent and the Midnight Society. Awesome. Society. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It. I have no clue. It's just all coming from the farting of my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds mighty tinny. Might want to kill the high end a little bit. This song, um, It was written by uh, one of my favorite, uh, in fact, one of my all-time favorite trumpeters, and he sang the vocals, which I will attempt to sing them as well. It's entitled, More Rain, More Rest. love for you After the rain the sun shines best and all the skies are blue More moon to light our way to night More flowers covered with dew More rain, more rest More green grass grown, so does I love you By Jabo Smith
1: Awesome Well Drew
2: Thank you That's amazing Thank you fellas oh, Welcome you to my basement To my lair of Iniquity and Doom and destruction Yeah um, we are at a, Also known as Beat's laboratory Yeah My beat laboratory <laughs> This is my office And my beat laboratory Awesome Well thanks lair. again Drew You got it This has it. been amazing Whoa. Woo